Hey, what up, Fly fans? Welcome back to the Bay Area Combat Podcast. We're in the Suncoast Awning Studio. Suncoast Awning, for all your shade needs, we have a shop in Santa Cruz, a shop in Martinez. Uh, get shaded, you guys. We're also renting out the Suncoast Awning Studio for, uh, for podcasts, man, for podcasts. So if you guys want to do your own little type of podcast, whatever you guys want to do, you can inquire to rent the studio. It comes with uh, Tom Bass Davis, our sound man extraordinaire. Our podcast is going to be available on more platforms than it previously was available. Uh, I think all the platforms, Tom, is that correct? All, all platforms, you guys. So wherever you guys like to watch your podcast, our podcast will be available there. Okay. We got a pretty cool one, dude. We have a, a very interesting uh, uh, dynamic. Uh, we finally get to sit down with the father of a professional MMA fighter, which is going to be really cool, man. So uh, I'll introduce him one at a time. We got Junior. Junior was on the episode on the show a couple weeks ago. He's back. We brought his coach. Junior, how you doing today? I'm doing good, especially yeah. now that we got our little training in this morning, so we're all ready to go. Hey, you guys already trained this morning, uh, but we're going to train again today, too, in a little bit, too. So I'm excited for that. You guys stay tuned to the end. We're going to spar it out, and then uh, we're going to review some of, those, uh, some of those rounds as well. We have Thomas Fallon, 6-1, retired professional uh, uh, mixed martial artist, former King of the Cage cruiserweight champion. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for coming in, man. How are no you problem. doing today? No problem. Doing great. Good day. Got some training this morning. Get to see my dad. Wife's here. Got some good food. Nice setup here. Hell yeah, man. Thanks go. for coming in, dude. We do. Uh, we got the food. We're going to wait for a little bit to eat in that food, man, because we don't want to be too uh, too full when we start punching <laughs> each other yeah, in the stomach. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, uh, uh, Mike Fallon in the building. Mike, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks. Hey, man, so excited to have you come in today, dude. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty unique to get a father's perspective on, uh, on all the dynamics of mixed martial arts. So uh, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. I actually want to start with you. So, so, uh, so how is it being the father of a professional fighter? What challenges does that present itself? Um, wow, that's a big question. Challenges? I think like the first two fights were really challenging. Yeah because uh, trying to sit on the edge of your seat the entire time uh -huh. <laughs> is really difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it didn't take long to see that uh, Tom had a little something special. Mm -hmm. So after the first, really after the first fight, I was never worried at any of his fights that he wouldn't do well, uh -huh. never, because he's kind of been like that since he was a kid. Yeah, so, yeah. A little kid. Huh. And I'm sure it's a lot, anybody who's a fighter that, uh, need to swing and just comes natural and the no fear and that was tom as a little kid well you know it may have came natural but it might have been something that was actually instilled in him you know by his father so thomas you know let me ask you uh, uh kind of a heavy question but you know what what influence did your father have on you wanting to be you know a professional mixed martial artist uh he always wanted me to be a carpenter i remember <laughs> always saying, go join the carpenters union um and i mean just where we grew up, it was rough, you know? And I know uh, his generation was rougher than my generation. I feel like my generation, we, we pretended a lot, most of us, it's a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of fake in the funk. But um, yeah, fighting all the time, protecting my brother on our block, uh, just the different little gangs of people around. And, um, you know, especially when you're younger, before weapons become involved, it's like, you fight. We'd fight by the train tracks. We'd fight in front of the school, behind the school, you know, at the I park. was 
first name basis with the uh, vice principal of the school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call me at work. Hey, Mike. It wasn't uh, Mr. Fallon. And Mike, you know, Tom. I go, yeah. He goes, well, really, you know, it wasn't his fault, but then he finished it. We have to do something. And it's like, okay. And that was just kind of the standard thing, phone calls I would get at work on a semi-regular yeah. basis. And, you know, looking back, like, it, it's just embarrassing, you know, um, not being able to control yourself as a young man being and looking back like being a distraction to other kids in class and uh, just not being able to be uh, I don't know uh, not productive. Being, being a uh, a little shit can be embarrassing yeah. you know oh, yeah. uh, I'm proud of, proud of the man I am today but that shit uh, it wasn't always there you know but when he comes to I was always looking for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't starting fights, but if you're messing with my friend, I'll fight you or that kind of stuff. So it's like, there's always a reason. If you're looking for it, you'll, you'll find, find it. it for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't my fault, but I could have stayed out of it, you know, along with every other stupid thing I ever did in my life, right? But um, yeah, uh, fighting was, especially in our neighborhood, was something that I feel like I, I did since a little, little kid. Yeah. So at some point I told him, you need a paying job or put everything you have into this. Learn this professionally. Do it every day. Find somebody to help you, you know, and just go for it. Mm -hmm. And this was out in the front of yard of my house when him and his buddies were training to the point where they're throwing up, you know. Yeah. I was thinking, wow, <laughs> I guess they're into it. Yeah. So um, after me, that, he really that uh, was after uh, it. me and, and what I call my brother, Nolan Sandita. He has always been on the scrap pack. Um, he started. So we always trained in the garage or on the streets, and we'd box in the driveway, you know, once we became a little older. And uh, he started training with Caesar Gracie here, back when Kyle Terra was there, mm -hmm. right here by, by the mall. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went in, and that's where I met Dan Black. And, you know, the jiu-jitsu was so expensive, I couldn't do jiu-jitsu, but Dan Black was like 75 bucks a month. And I couldn't even get through the warm-ups in class. I was 330 pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'd like yeah, 20 yeah. years, 20 years old. You know, doing drugs and smoking a ton of cigarettes and partying and it's just, just stupid. But that short month that I was with Dan Black, I learned he probably had the most long-lasting effect on my career in the sense that, you know, in my head, I'm the baddest dude on earth. You know. Mm -hmm my street fight record and you know my my yeah. reputation and all that shit is is great until you go into a real gym and i'm sparring with these giant you know like you know damn black guys he's always had great dudes and all good heavyweights too yeah yeah and i do good for 30 seconds mm -hmm. and then i just get smoked yeah. you know and it was a good uh eye-opener like okay what's the most important thing being in shape being in shape taking your body serious and and, and then everything else can fall no place. way you guys can do what you do without extensive training yeah <laughs> there's no way but the instinctual I mean, thing like you said like i had something special like even in street yeah. fights as a kid i'd get my ass kicked and somehow always end up on top or somehow always end up like when they separate us i was i was winning at that point i might have got my eyes shut i might have got my eyes shut right i got cracked i maybe slammed or whatever but at the end i was always on top and i and i just always felt like no matter what happened i was able to somehow end up on top you know and, and, and winning at the end. So instinctually, when it comes to fighting, like I was naturally good right away. Yeah. Naturally good right away. Once the physical conditioning was able to back up. 
that, you know? Well, Mike, let me ask you. So your son's naturally good at fighting. You can probably kind of can kind of tell that he's naturally good. Mm -hmm. Is that, were you, were you, uh, was that something that you're proud of or is that something that you were, did you see, did you foresee maybe him being able to compete at a professional level? Yeah. Or is it something that where you were kind of like, oh, dang. Um, I'm the kind of father that I don't care what you're doing. If you're putting your heart and soul into knitting and you're a kick badass knitter, mm. I'm going to be there to support yeah. you. Support the knitting. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as a man, how could you not just be thrilled off your ass to see your boy in a ring yeah. tearing it up? Yeah. That nothing comes close to that. Yeah. You know, nothing. And it's beautiful that you're able to turn, you know, something that would be considered a negative exactly. fighting growing exactly. up into something so positive. Yeah. And uh, Junior, let me ask you, man, how much is, uh, is your dad an influence on your, uh, your journey in martial arts? Oh, yeah. He's always been supportive. Uh, I grew up wrestling. He was there two-day tournaments, 15 hours a day, cool. you know, showing up at the weigh-ins, um, played football all through, you know, junior high and high school. Like, yeah, he never missed a, a meet, a game, fight, anything. So he's always been super supportive. Yeah, man. My dad, dude, I'll be honest, dude. I, I, all of this, I, I, did it for, I do it for my dad. You know, I want to make him. Well, I, I could tell growing <laughs> up, we always watched fighting and stuff. He, we, we were fans of Mike Tyson, and uh, he, he, liked, um, he liked that I was in, uh, into fighting. And, um, and then he, me and my brother, I had an older brother. But he used to always joke, and I know obviously unrealistic, but he used to joke like, oh, you're going to buy me uh, my condo in Hawaii, and you're going to buy me this. And he wanted us both to be professional athletes. And although he didn't really do a lot of sports coming up, he like, wanted me and my brother both to be uh, professional athletes. And, and so that's what I wanted to do, man. And I just, obviously it's hard to make ends meet. We were talking about that a little bit earlier about being able to make ends meet with yeah. uh, fighting professionally. And then, you know, obviously we all want a family. We, we want everything everyone wants, you know, but... Uh, it, it, it um, your dad definitely fucking, you know, brings the most out of you. And so when your dad's on board too with like what you're trying to accomplish, I think it's something special. I think that's why uh, uh, Leo is is something special. Yeah, with Anthony. Yeah. He's a he's not just a great coach and and just a wonder with kids. To be able to work with kids is a whole another story. And the things that he does with these kids, and he calls them gifted youth. It's an, it's an amazing thing that he does. And I mean, look at what he's done with his daughter and everybody else around him. It's not to cut you off, but it's it's awesome to no, see. Yeah, no, that's 100%. why me and him, him get along really well. Um, kind of coming back to us, though, like all my dad ever told me as a kid is just pass your classes and don't get in trouble. And for me, I couldn't do that. So no. I was always like, you know, but neither could I. Could you pass the classes? <laughs> so, could you pass the classes? I, I understood. Or? Nothing. I couldn't yeah. stay out of trouble. I couldn't make it through school. Like, I don't have a high school diploma. Like, none of that stuff. And, and he was telling me this because he made those same mistakes. And he didn't want me to. But I couldn't. I could, you know, the environment, the people I chose to yeah. be friends with. You know, blame on the street. You know, I could say, oh, the people that are, you know, the block I grew up with. Well, my brother grew up on that block and he never got in any trouble. Yeah. Amazing <clears> at school. All that stuff. We're a little different which is probably why, but you could be in the same place and have two completely of different course. paths. Yeah. But for me, I couldn't stay out of trouble. I couldn't stay off the streets. I couldn't stay out of drugs. I couldn't stay out of none of that. So for me, that was my problem my whole life. And all he ever wanted was for me to just, just get by, just get by, just get by, pass and get through it. And when it comes to sports, like we never played no sports. We'd stop. He always worked so much. He was never 
Like we never were, no. we never pushed none of that stuff. I feel like if I would have trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and we'd throw the ball when, when I was, yeah, middle. any opportunity, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. we, well, that's about as far yeah. as sports go for me. I played a season of basketball at the boys and girls club. Cause it was right across the street from our, our neighborhood yeah. uh, season of soccer, but it's like, Hey, here kid play for free, you know, share the Jersey with that other kid yeah. kind of thing. It wasn't like professional sports. And then when we, when you get into where you can start playing sports, it's like, you got to pay for all that stuff. Like to play a season of football in San Francisco, South San Francisco, it's not cheap. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I didn't so, even ask, let alone make grades. You family know. support's a big deal for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And his support was me is like, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to put a roof on your head and try and teach you some sort of, you know, morals. Stuff I didn't have. But other than that, that's as far as it goes about, you know, if I would have grew up in a town like Texas where they shut down the, the town every week to play the football game and they push the I, – I'd, I'd have been in the NFL. I fully believe that. Yeah, I'd have made. I'd have been a tight end or middle linebacker, and I'd have been in the NFL. If that was, was football what, your first love, or I mean, San Francisco, Joe Montana, up, Jerry yeah, Rice. A, I mean, that's what you yeah. see on TV mostly back. Yeah. You know, when you guys were young. Yeah. And then a fighting thing, even though we watched it on on TV, it was mainly boxing. And and then, you know, when we fought where I'm from, it's we punch and then we wrestle, and every fight ends up somebody's on the ground or you know getting kicked or something. It's yeah. different. What I find interesting, and, and I don't know that anyone else who watches this casually MMA realizes is how hard you guys, I mean, you got to have, really you have to have a regular job to support yourself and your family and all that. And then all that you do to get in the shape you guys get into, I mean, a lot of people, when they're done with work, that's it. They go home, kick their feet up, and they're done. You guys are busting your ass, you know, for hours and hours before work, after work. It's like people don't get that. So I always say work after work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think everybody gets that, how hard and how dedicated you all have to be to do what you're doing. I think a lot of people do miss that. You know, it sounds, you know, being a pro fighter sounds so fun. I know so many people want to do that, and, uh, but they just don't. They'll come into the gym. You see them. You guys have met them. They'll come into the gym, and they're just so far off from reality yeah. of, like, yeah. the amount of work it takes. You know, Mike, let me ask you. So you're raising a, 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 an aggressive young child, you know what I'm saying? But, but a, a future very successful professional fighter. Did you guys ever have to, uh, did you guys ever have to fight? Did you guys ever have to discipline him, you know? A couple times I did. And, you know, this is odd because... I didn't really have a dad when I was growing up, so most of the parenting that I learned was through television. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. That's how a dad's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, a couple times that he did things where I had to step in, which was maybe twice. Caught him smoking, and he kept smoking and smoking. And so I made him smoke a cigar. Smoke a weird until he threw tobacco. Up. Tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had like appendicitis issues at that time. It was like, it's a good time to smoke this pack of cigars. <laughs> threw up on your new flower bed. Yeah. <laughs> so that was and then maybe one time I had to put hands on him but and by the time I wasn't scared of him anymore that's when we kind of looked at each yeah. other like get the, get the fuck out yeah, you know? yeah. it I'm got like, to a right. point where it's like okay you're on your own man yeah. and I was still pretty young no longer, you know Fif- was, you're, a lot, you're a lot bigger than your dad I was, yeah. Two, yeah. I was 230 in, as a freshman you yeah know? you're huge yeah. but just, yeah. it, more than that it, more, it's not the size or how badass he is it's you come to an age. Yeah. 
you know, it's no longer can I kick your ass. It's a respect thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we, we're done, you know, going no after any physical or no matter you know, how that hard, kind of stuff. You're going to just figure it out now. No yeah. matter how hard yeah. things were between us, like we never stopped like loving each other. No, I mean, he never, of course not. He, but I think we're so alike in, in yeah. a lot of ways that it's like, I think a lot of it was he was looking at, at me, shaking his head like, fuck, you're like me. Yeah. yeah. You know, I hope you don't screw up like I did. And yeah. I did all the same stuff just on a lower level. Yeah. You know? Um, he turned my, his life around way sooner than I did. He's done 10 times better than I have at his, his age, by the time I was his age, nowhere close to the man he's become. So fighting, how technical he is, I mean, you know, if he trains people, his fighting ability is up there. But the man he is, is what I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. That he takes his own personal time and money to help homeless people, not looking for anything out of it, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, help his fellow man. One of his buddies needs something, something he's right there. That kind of stuff. That's what matters. Too. Oh, yeah. That, that stuff will definitely make a father proud. Thomas, how much, uh, you know, how much has fighting uh, built you into the man that you are today? And then how much does your father's influence create, you know, the man that you are today? So when it comes to the fighting thing, you know, when he referred to earlier, he's like, hey, if you're going to do this, do it. What, what happened was he was sick. And he's been sick a lot. The last... However many years, it's been probably the healthiest he's been since I can remember. And he was going through chemo and all this stuff and still commuting two hours to work, working all day, commuting home. And, and, and at this time, I was living in Seaside out by Monterey and Salinas in a ghetto trailer with 10 other dudes. We're all pushing this and that and living the wrong life. And I hadn't talked to them in years because it's like, what's the first thing your parents ask you if you haven't seen them? You got a job, you're going to school, what the hell are you doing with yourself? Yeah. And until I had answers for those questions, I'm not coming back, I'm not coming around. And my stepmom, who was really my mom, she had, he was in the hospital for who knows how long, close to a week maybe, and um, she gets to this person who gets to that person who gets to that person who finds a number of the dude I'm living with who can, I didn't have a phone, in the car, nothing, you know? A middleman in deals to get by, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, I wake up on the floor of this trailer to my, my stepmom on the phone saying, hey, crying, your dad's been in the hospital, I've been looking for you, come home, please. So I come home and he, see him in the hospital and I'm telling them, I'm gonna move back in to help out, but I'm the one who needed help. Yeah. So I move back in and he's still going through all this stuff and you know, I'm trying to change, I'm 330 pounds and I'm living in the garage and I'm I buy a bike and you know, I'm trying to lose weight and I start training other neighborhood kids. I bought pads. He let me turn the whole garage in. It looked like that. All wrestling mats on no. the walls. Got weight stuff, everything. And I'm faking it to make it. I don't know nothing. I'd, go, I'd watch UFC DVDs and look at the um, behind the scenes stuff of Jason Prilla holding pads for BJ Penn before he walks out to fight. Well, that must be important. Whatever combo he just did must be important. So I'd train that. And then, I, you know, and then before you know it, I'm good at this, you well, know? Uh, and that's how I do. A lot of people learn like that, though, too. Yeah. So, so really, it's him getting sick and me thinking in my head, if I couldn't even do the three things he asked for me in my whole life is just get by. Just get by. Just get by. Just, just fucking just barely get by. And all the shit that he went through, all the hard work that he did, he never missed a day of work, no matter how sick he was. No matter how sick. And he'd been sick for years. All kinds of shit. 
and never missed a day of work. And I'm, I can't, I can't stay clean enough to go to work two weeks in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like embarrassed of myself and thinking if he dies, what am I? What what is? What did I do to make him proud? What's the only thing I'm good at? Knocking dudes out at the bar down the street, at the <laughs> liquor store, because that's where I push my shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'm gonna do it. So I moved to Sacramento. I don't know if you remember Dave Huckleba. Yeah, I don't. So he was the big bad heavyweight out okay. there for the longest from Realinda. So there was like Huckleba's team in Alpha Male, and there was a fight at Rebel Fighting out in the middle of nowhere, in like Jackson Casino or something. And they were advertising it online. Two baddest heavyweights in Sacramento. One's from Team Alpha Male. I'm, like, I'm probably gonna go there, and the other one's this Huckleba dude. And they fought, and Huckleba knocked him out. And I went to Alpha Male, and it was expensive, and all these, like, you know, at the time, more higher-class individuals than I was. And then I'd go to this gym in Del Paso Heights, and you got convicts and, and you know, Native Americans and yeah. dudes on Harleys. And I'm like, I fit in here. Yeah. And what would we do? Would we wrestle? Nope. Would we do jiu-jitsu? Nope. Beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. And we'd stop takedowns. And that style of fighting was simple enough. And as a heavyweight, it's effective enough to go out there and just start smoking dudes. Yeah. So I went there and took a fight right away with literally no training, no real training, and was just one after another after another and just never stopped. And then it's like, okay, I better start trying to find people who know this and that and fill in the rest of the game. But it was all just kind of going in the right place at the right time and taking the fights. And, how many amateur fights did you have before? Five. You, five? Okay. Before I went pro? Five. Yeah. What was your amateur record? Five and zero. Oh. Five and zero oh undefeated. But as a heavyweight, and you're exciting, and you can sell tickets because I had a lot of friends, and a lot of a lot of family. You know, mm. I'd lived so many places. I had so many groups of people. So when I first started fighting, and you know, when you first start fighting, everybody thinks it's cool. Yeah. So everybody's coming out. Yeah. Then after a while, ah, you've been fighting. No, it's not special anymore. Nobody buys tickets. Mm. Not knowing that, you know, I'm not. I don't want to come around. Three times a year, hey dad, you yeah. want to buy a ticket? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey brother, sister, you want to? You, that's at least I'm not selling drugs, but you're to a degree you have to be a beggar to be a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> until you can start getting to a point. So I got to beg everybody I know for money. I'm selling 200 plus tickets, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As an amateur, and I'm why am I giving you five grand and keeping five hundred dollars? I want half. So as an amateur, I was getting fifty percent, and then I started getting seventy-five percent. And I'm like, you're making your money off the beer. So I was pushing tickets and main eventing after my first amateur fight because I'm finishing people and you're heavyweight. Yeah. So you got all these little dudes that are way better than us, but they're not knocking nobody out and they're not selling no yeah. tickets. So for me, my crowd would be wild. Everybody's getting wasted buying alcohol, mm-hmm. buying food and showing up and getting loud. And I, well, that's what they want. Hopefully every fighter's yeah, got a big yeah. crowd, a family, yeah, they're right. all gonna so be So I'm finishing everybody and early. <laughs> and if, I'm, if they made it past the first round, it's just more damage they're taking. And um, it was just win after win after win after win until it was time to go pro. And, you know, it was just, it was almost, it's like, you know, you put something out into the universe and it comes to pass, like, Everything, single thing I said that I was gonna do to him, I did. Yeah, you know. And I never had dreams of being in the UFC. What were my dreams? Stay clean, stay off the streets, become a better person, somehow learn to make a living. 
I was never like, I want to be a champion of the world. I never had those thoughts. That's success. That's people push. <laughs> so many people push that on me because I'm good, but I didn't want that. I just wanted to just, just, just get by, you know? Yeah. And somehow turn that into an income to where I could be comfortable. That's it. And I was able to do all that. Yeah, no fuck yeah, you did. Hey, what is it about Coach Fallon that uh, that drew you to him, man? And uh, obviously, you stayed there. You had a lot of success there. You know, what is it about that uh, that environment? Well, we're both like similar because like when we're both like teammates or part of the gym, like we give it all. Like I just noticed him standing. You know, he's always around, willing to you know come den- uh, donate his time, hold pads. You know, just always the same thing that's how i was uh, he noticed that too because i'd always be there just holding pads yeah. not really getting work myself and he's just like he's the one that got kind of me like nah dude you need to come and get your mm-hmm. own work coming in too he's he's just like me in the sense where it's like he can't watch somebody getting ready for a fight at his gym that becomes his family that can't that that's not doing it right come here i'll hold pads for you yeah. and that that was that was me you know it's like oh you need this i'll, I'll buy it for you like that he, he's just like me you know hundred percent. We were just at different teams and different gyms. Yeah. I'd always see him around. I don't know who this. He's always working security at the fights and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never knew who he was. But once I went to Carnage and, and and met him, I'm like, oh, you're just like me. And we just just linked up and been, you know. Plus, also from him being a fighter too, and um, he's good with uh, just like like I have had coaches where like we were talking about earlier, just tough it through, tough it through. Where I'm like, I had a rough week at school or we work. And had injuries. He's like, all right. Well, today we'll just work technique. You know, mm-hmm. slow it down. Not you know, not break the body down. Yeah. I'm like I'm pushing 40 years old. I can't be yeah. hammering my body so, all day every day. The problem with like having a, a lot of coaches, it's great, right? You're learning all this stuff, but it's like your conditioning coach. What is? What do they want from you? The best that all you can day. give. What about your Muay Thai coach? 100 percent effort. What about your Jiu Jitsu coach? They want 100 percent. What about your wrestling coach? 100 percent effort. Okay. What about your wife and your kids and everything else? 100 percent. Your job. 100. <laughs> Who's talking to each other to figure out? Well, yeah. What what, what you put yeah. out. So you know far, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I've been through all that, and and at the end of the day, when he comes, you want to go? You want conditioning? Go to the gym. Go run. You want to get better at striking? I got you. We'll still burn out. We'll we'll break a sweat, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not here to be his conditioning coach. I'll give him advice. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to be this or that. I'm just here to help. And what I can help with is getting you better at fighting, yeah. mentally, you know. And and I can help with the physical things by giving you advice. But as far as pushing yourself to be in shape, he's got to do that on his own. Yeah. You know. And that goes for every fighter, not just him. And then when you're on a big giant team where you have all these chefs in the kitchen, they need to talk to each other. They need to check their own egos and 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 make it a, something that just works in synergy, right? Right? Yeah. You know, okay. If I pushed hard in strength and conditioning, Muay Thai, we're just touching today. Huh. We're sharpening up those tools that we that that need to be sharp. You know, closing the gaps on things that suck. Same thing with the wrestling coach. If you push super hard in wrestling, let's go easy in jiu-jitsu. Let's just drill. Let's drill some defense for an hour. Yeah. And how many times can you drill that versus go hard for five minutes at a time? You know? mm. So just one of, the, one of those things. So I think we, we clicked on that too. Yeah. Um, I seen that um, one of your videos that, you, that you, 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 know, you pride yourself in your strength and conditioning. You take your strength and conditioning very serious. But I also saw that none of your fights got out of the first round. So do you think that being in such good shape, you were just able to, uh, you knew that you could push a pace to finish these guys in the first round? Or? Um, for one, we don't get paid to fight more than per one minute, round. Per minute, huh, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then 
a lot of it is you got to trust what you train, right? I always tell him, if you don't like this combo, let's not work it. Let's work. Let's you show me what works for you, where you feel. Because I don't, I don't want him second guessing a combination because he's not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he's hesitating. <laughs> he's getting. I know what I'm good at, and I don't care if you watch it. I got 20 ways to setting each thing up, right? So if I if my liver kick is so nasty that I could finish anybody with it, why not throw it? And why not throw it with purpose and belief? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then if you're smart enough to break down a fight and find things that you think you could do, right? And then things that you should be aware of, go commit to those things. And then I'll, and then on my fighting style, I've always considered myself a hyper-aggressive counter-striker. So if I'm pushing after you, pushing after you, and then waiting for you to react, I'm gonna pull or slip or whatever, and then I'm gonna return. There should be a return for everything. If I block a kick, I wanna fire back. If I do, there should be a reaction for everything, you know? So if you train those things and then you believe in what you're training in, there shouldn't be any hesitation. And then at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm trying to get in and I'm trying to get out. I've never wanted to be known as a tough guy and I never want to be known as having a chin. Because those things mean that you're taking shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And then in all fairness, when it comes to technique, I'm a smaller heavyweight, I move really well. And most guys at heavyweight aren't very good. So regionally, I am above average. Right. Nationally, I'm maybe average on a worldwide. I'm probably below average. Right. And that's where being realistic comes into play. But that that record, too, will get you a contender series fight. Oh, dude, I've had all the calls. You know, I've had, I, I can name the names of the calls that I've had. A lot of them are at the wrong place, wrong time. I was under contract with King of the Cage. They had billboards all over Northern California. I was the main event. The fight was a week out. Um, what's not Sean Shelby, the other one. McMaynard uh, reached out to me okay. on Facebook Messenger. Hey, you want to fight Greg Hardy for uh, Dana White looking for a fight? No way. And I'm like, dude, I fight in two weeks. I'm under contract. He's like, okay, maybe next time. Yeah. Like, you don't need all these managers. If you have a good record and you become what? Because what do fighters do? West Coast top or promoters. West Coast top ten heavyweights. Yeah. Boom. Show up. <laughs> Phone number. Hey, you want to fight? What do I need somebody to take 20% of my money to do that for? Yeah, and yeah. they all tell you the same thing. We've got the contacts. You know, so does Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could show you Mick Maynard reaching out to me on yeah. Facebook Messenger. Yeah. So when I won the King of the Cage title, I'm, and I won't name drop the, the agencies, but all these top agencies are reaching out to me. Hey, we've been looking into you. Oh, we want to sign you. I'm like, cool. What do you like about me? Oh, your record's good and uh, you're top 10 in the state. <laughs> yeah. What do you know about my fighting style? Ah, oh, man, we never watched any of your fights. I'm like, so how are you going to help me? How are you going to take the right kind of matchups or the right kind of things? And what do you, you don't know shit about me, but yeah. you want to sign me because of my record and my rankings, which makes sense. But if I was a top, um, you know, management agency, and I said, okay, these are the top five guys. Okay, who's this guy? Oh, he's a really good striker, but his wrestling sucks. You know, hey, I'm gonna try and keep him away from wrestlers, baby. Yeah. And that's just, be- but they didn't know anything about me. All they knew was my name, my record, my rankings, and I got all these calls and all these emails and all this stuff. And at first, I'm like all excited, like, oh man, these people care. They don't care. None of them care. I'm just another number, another name in their roster that. If they throw enough names in the pool of fighters and one of them makes a million dollars and you get your big cut and bang, you, you, you know, 
It's like stocks to a degree. Yeah. Throw enough yeah. money at them, eventually something's going to come back. Um, and everything they offered was things that I could already do on my own. Mm. And like I said, I never had those dreams. Now, I would have taken certain opportunities if they were the right time, right place. Bellator's called me multiple times. One time I had a blown out knee. One time I was right after shoulder surgery. Yeah. Then they called me to be on because my buddy Tyler Diamond was on the season of the Ultimate Fighter, alpha male kid. Mm. They were getting ready for heavyweights and they knew I knew him and they're telling him to reach out to me to be on the Ultimate Fighter. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to be stuck in a house with heavyweights and women while my wife's at home <laughs> and then all these drunks. And that was the season with that, with that one uh, giant dude who was just harassing everybody and drunk the whole time. I did Maurice Green, my wife said. <laughs> he was just acting like an asshole the whole time. And if he's getting in girls' faces and being a jackass, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that dude. Yeah. And then I'm and then so you're gonna see on national television the worst of me yeah. because I'm stuck in this situation where I'm gonna I know me. I don't want I don't mm -mm. worst worst feeling in the world is not having control over yourself. And I feel like I would not have control over myself after a certain point, right? No oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Especially too, I remember when Scott was on there, he was saying that there's a couple of guys they portray it as like certain ways, mm -hmm. but you only see these little clippets from like, you know, two weeks, they cut it down. So yeah. that's all they show is like 30 seconds of this dude being an ass, this dude being an ass. But, if you, but like, if you pay attention to the timeline of fights, like you'll see a dude with a black eye, like why is he got a black eye here? He's talking shit about this dude at this time. <laughs> he didn't fight to the end of the season. So they kind of mix things up yeah. and make it look more interesting. That's TV yeah. for it. Yeah. Hey, Thomas, let me ask you. Yeah. So I'm a lanky. I'm a, we're going to do a couple rounds, you know? And so uh, I, looked at, I looked at some of your fights just because, uh -huh. of course, like, we're going to do some rounds. Yeah. So I was curious. You, like, should, you should study. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a lanky dude. Um, what challenges do I present, you know, for you? And what, what, do you, what, would, you like, what would you do to someone with, with, with my build? I mean, if your head's out of the way, your body's still there. Uh, I'm a leg kicker by nature. So if the leg's there, you know... Um, I mean, we learned from last time, you don't check kicks. I'm, <laughs> I've always been really good at lengthening my strikes. Um, I'm very, I could be very playful at sparring. I could spar hard. So it really just depends how things go. Um, for me, and I'm sure you feel this, uh, you're pretty technical yourself. So I could read what your body's doing to a degree. Someone who's kind of green they're throwing shit from weird places that I've never seen. <laughs> it's kind of hard to read that and react properly, right? Yeah. If a jab's coming this way, you could parry it, you could slip it, you could pick it, you could whatever, right? Mm. Time it with a low kick, whatever. But if the jab's like this weird motion, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So I think to a degree, the better someone is, the better I could do with them by relying on my vision. And your vision should be your, your best asset as a fighter. If you can't see it, you can't can't react to it right mm -hmm. so i think um i think we could we will have fun technical technical rounds um someone like junior he's gonna make us both look ugly because he doesn't respect our power and he's just gonna walk right through it <laughs> and then we have to brawl him right because it's like dude just stay back there and let me pick you apart you know just let me pick you apart stay away from me but but you know it really just it, styles make fights and um, i think i think you use your your reach well and you know, you have good combinations. I like your body work and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't feel like either of us are very active in the last however long. <laughs> I'm yeah. still, I don't really train much anymore. I lift weights like a meathead and hold yeah. pads a lot. So it might take me a couple rounds to get my timing in. But we hit pads this morning, so maybe I'll get a little. 
Hey, so Junior, time, how do you? Well, what's the difference between me and Thomas? If you spar both of us, how do you spar us differently, or do you make adjustments for, uh, for us separately, or you spar us the same? No, I only have really <laughs> one style, so. <laughs> especially lately because you are both like really long. I can't really sit yeah. on the outsides. I get picked apart, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Tom's late kicks and stuff. Yeah, and but, just the reach advantage. Yeah. Um, especially when I give him space, his reaction, like his pulls, are fucking. Yeah. So I got to try to keep going back. <laughs> so when it comes to sparring with someone who knows you, it's like, and, and, and my garage is pretty small. Mm. So I can't really run and gun, especially if there's another set of guys sparring next to him. Yeah. So it gets to a point where if I'm trying to be long and, and smooth and I'm not trying to knock my friend out, eventually he's going to get close enough to hit me back. Now it's like, well, I can't use this long, clean style anymore. So I got to pick my hands up and shell up and throw some Dutch style combinations and kick them in the leg and make them respect me a little more in the Fucking pocket. But then we just end up knees to the gut. Then we just end up <laughs> just beating the shit out of each other. We're like, oh, nice light round, dude. You know? <laughs> but, um, you know, I think with both of us being longer and taller, the only time we should ever be close is probably when we're clinching and looking for knees and stuff like that. Mm. Especially if we're not wrestling or anything. So it should be like more like a tag. Like, bah, bah keeping our distance and no, trying no. to set things up and uh, fakes and feints and stuff like that. So it should be fun. I think we're going to run around Robin. So you're going to kind of have to adapt to the next opponent, you know, just for, uh, between mm-hmm. rounds, boom, bam, bam, which is very similar to practice when you're just uh, alternating yeah. rounds, you know. But sometimes if you get the same opponent for, you know, a couple or, different rounds, you can make adjustments there as well. Or a fight. The hardest thing about an actual fight is you've never moved with that person before. So you could watch video and be like, ah, he looks slow, and then he's oddly fast. Yeah. Or ah, he can't, he's got bad distance control, and then he's in your grill. So you could plan for all those things. So until you've actually made those adjustments mid-fight, it's hard to, hard to like, be comfortable. So by going from a tall, lanky dude to a short, thick dude to uh, uh, maybe a 135 who's lightning fast and then a big, slow heavyweight, you can have to adapt every round. So I think it's great to have multiple body types and, and styles in the gym that you can go round to round with and make the adaption every five minutes. So if you're getting your ass kicked in a certain way and I tell you in between rounds, hey, this is the adjustment we need to make. These are the, the, the changes that we need to do. This is what's already working. Let's build upon that. You have to go out there and, and completely kind of change maybe what you thought you were going to go into there with the game plan in the first place. Mm-hmm. So having multiple partners is just blessing different styles and body types hey mike how weird is it that we're about to go punch each other in the face like that's what we decided to do for fun today (laughs) that's why i'm here (laughs) although i'm gonna step to set this one up he can box you see him on the speed bag you know he's 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 still got it i didn't know he could do that yeah. So first time I saw him on a speed bag, I'm like, hey, you never told me you could. Oh, yeah. I used to do that. Yeah, you thought it was God-given. Little did you <laughs> yeah. know. It was just genetic. You know, yeah, just mm-hmm. right, from, uh, right from upstairs. Well, good. So we're going to transition into the competition area. Sure. Okay. We'll get a couple rounds, and then we're actually going to come back, and we'll commentate um, those rounds, get a couple little cool snippets out of those mm-hmm. rounds as well, and then, uh, and then we'll wrap it up, man. So hell yeah. Thank you, Sounds guys. Sounds good. Let's move on over there, yeah. dude. All right, hell yeah, dude, we're back. We ran it, and uh, we're going to commentate over these rounds. Um, Tom Bass Davis, if you could uh, start the, the video for us here. Let's see what we got. Good, Thomas and Junior to start us off. You guys have a little bit. You guys, you guys uh, fight a little bit, huh? Yeah. 
I'll, I'll give him rounds when he needs it, but I mean, I don't really do much other than walk on the treadmill, lift weights, and hold pads now. Uh, I try and focus on my guys, and I'm 48 pounds heavier than the last time I fought. So <laughs> I don't quite feel uh, <laughs> in my prime, but I still got some tricks, I guess. So here we're just touching each other, touching each other, and then cracks on top. <laughs> no. Right? Then it's yeah. on. You were talking about me now always being a bully, so I try to stay on the outside and then fucking getting picked apart for a while. Well, I just stayed, <laughs> no, in, <laughs> I stayed in your face on this one, too. So um, I always try and pick a couple things to work on when I spar, even if I don't spar that often. So today I, I wanted to really work on my knees uh, because I feel like it's just one of those, those gray areas or like a danger zone area in fighting where it's like, it's kind of a sketchy thing to throw a knee. To a degree, your face is open, you're in the pocket, like you can get countered pretty easily. So I try to make sure I've landed a lot of knees today. So you hold your hands a little bit higher than uh, Junior holds his hands. What uh, what do you consider to be better as far as the stance? So for me, the farther away I am, the lower I'm going to keep my hands, just because I'm in less of danger. The closer I get, the more I tend to tend to bring them up high. So for me, it's more of a distance thing. You see, as you get closer, you see how I'm getting tighter. Yep. Um, you should be strengthening your stance. Uh, lowering your base a little bit and keeping your hands up, I feel like, when you're in the pocket. Unless you're playing like knees and tricks and stuff like that. So. And Junior has a built-in a built helmet, mm -hmm. so that's why he doesn't have to... Because <laughs> he's actually wearing his built-in helmet. Yeah. Which is nice. So we know each other's style really well, obviously, so... What do you try to land on Thomas, Junior? Really, just... Usually the only thing that's open is sometimes with the body. But, but right there, he landed the body shot, but still got yeah. yeah. Whenever yeah. he hits my body, it just reminds me, oh, I'm going to hit yeah. his too, you know? So I like that little uh, lead teeth fake. Sets up a lot of things like that little pop. Right there, we both cracked each other. And every once in a while, I get him with a hook or a little stab teeth, but... How much you weigh, Junior? Probably right now about 275, I think. How, how, about, how about you, Thomas? It's 258 this morning. And I was fighting at cruiserweight to 225 my last few fights. Doesn't Thomas just look way bigger than you, though, Junior, for some reason? Yeah, he lifts weights. I don't lift weights, though. I work my ass off the game. Junior's just big. He's just naturally, he's just built like a tank, you know? Uh-huh. Like, fuck, guy. damn. Thomas in here is big as a motherfucker. So he doesn't bite on my teeth fakes anymore. I used to get him to drop his hands a lot off that. He's, he's made good adjustments. Yeah. You eat a bunch of lefts. So right there, you see him a little further, and I'll kind of relax my stance a little bit. Yeah. Looking for more reactive base things. The tighter I get. Boom. Nice. With me. So that stuff, even though it looked clean, it's just a stressful combination to throw when you're that close. Your reactions are fast. Quick. Quick. Fast. See, so, to me, all I see is like big, slow, my reaction time, you know, I, I feel like obviously I'm not as good as I was when I was training all the time, you know. We need a higher definition camera because the fucking the punches are turning into blurs and shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, you got, a, uh, you got another round for us? I think me and you are up next, huh? Yeah, I think we should be. No, I think I stayed in for two, right? Oh, you, oh, you did, did, huh? Yeah, 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 you did. Yeah. All right, yeah, me and Junior. Me and Junior. So with this round, I noticed that Junior already got three minutes in, even though he is a little more tired than you. He's already starting to build a little bit of a rhythm, a little bit of his timing. 
you know. So I felt like this round was probably your worst round, and then over the next couple of rounds you did with me, your timing got better, your range got better, your setups, and, and the overall technique, you know. I was trying to eat that leg up a little bit, right there, that inside leg. I was going for leg, though. That, 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 that calf kick is like the new rage, but uh, I don't like getting my shins checked with hard stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things you got to be confident. Are you a calf kicker, Thomas? I like to break the whole leg down. Yeah. I'll kick the inside, the outside, I'll hit the calf, the quad, thigh. I'll catch your leg and kick you in the butt cheek. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you break the whole body down. Um, in general, if you go to the body and the leg a lot, you're breaking down their conditioning and you're breaking down their mobility. So if I take away your mobility and I take away your conditioning, Everything else becomes more easy, yeah. right? Yeah. The jab's so quick here is when you just keep pumping it. But does it land with anything? Like, does that hurt? Or is it just It doesn't matter. Look at right there. Right there, you blinded me for that right hand that landed right behind it. Yeah, it, needs, so, it has to be the, the But there's ways to throw jabs, right? So what you're doing is sticking a long jab out. Now, if you stump on it with your front foot and time your weight behind it and stiffen your arm up a little Which bit. Which he tells me all the time. Then, then it's harder, right? <laughs> Yeah. So I could flick my jab, I could stomp on my jab, I could flare my elbow a little bit and drop my head off the center and really put more weight on it. It's really just depending on how you're throwing it. So if we're playing, we're not really trying to kill each other with it, right? So I feel like you're using it more as a range finder and you know, trying to get reads and reactions out of people to open up the rest of your game. But a jab can be a devastating weapon if you step on it properly. Yeah. I used to only throw a jab, dude. I swear to God, I only threw a jab. I, mean, I, like, I couldn't land my right hand to save my life. I could land the jab. I just couldn't land the cross. So the right hand, to a degree, you have to extend your body, right? You got to pull your back shoulder to the front, you know, shift your weight to your lead leg a little bit, right? So you're exposing yourself to a degree. So it could be a, a more stressful thing to throw, in my opinion, where a jab, you can kind of keep your head back and extend your front side of your body and keep your head safe. Just like kicking, yeah. you could stay far away with your kicks and yeah. never really get get into that danger zone. Right there, good counter. Nice effort. <laughs> He's good in the dirty boxing positions. Nice knee, nice long combo there. I see what you're saying though, as far as just backing up and breathing and like almost just like waiting for them to attack. Mm -hmm. I need to get back on the offensive. So that's something I was telling you between rounds. I told you that. Uh, yeah. You did good, and he would throw a nice barrage of punches and kicks, and then you take one or two steps back, shell up, and then let him attack you. Instead of backing up, circling off, shaking your arms out, catching your breath, and being on your bicycle a little bit until you feel like you've recovered, and you can start pressing the action again. And that's just being um, efficient with your energy, right? Yeah. And then yeah. someone like you, as long as you are, if they start coming close, pump that jab and you can stay away. Mm -hmm. And when you said, all I did was throw jabs. GSP won world championships with jabs and takedowns. Yeah, right? Who was it? Usman just, uh, just remember they were out. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Burns, they're like, Dropped you're champion because of your jab. That's what um, Trevor Whitman told him. And if you look at all of Trevor Whitman's fighters over the years, as far back as, you know, Shane Carwin, they all had jabs. They yeah. all had good jabs. Huh. Shane, Rose, I mean, Rashad Evans, all those guys were there. Um, Nate Marquardt, and, um, GSP, even trained down there. All those guys were... Trevor's, Trevor's good, huh. not only with his jab, his footwork, his, his angles, and, and just the way he puts things together, fakes and feints as well. Good. Uh, uh, me and you got two rounds. We got two rounds. Let's run them, dude.
Let's run them. You got those, Tom? Hell yeah. I appreciate you coming out, dude. Of course, you know brother. what I'm saying? Hell yeah, coach. This shit is, uh, I got a bunch of snippets. We're going to talk about it right now, too. So in the beginning here, I'm just kind of trying to stifle your offense and just kind of throw feelers out there and see what you'll react on, right? You react on my jab, my cross, my fakes, my feints. Right here, playing a little, trying to grab the hands, sweep the foot, and land my knees. Yeah, you were fainting Junior real well. Uh, he was reacting to him, and like, now I am. But I was actually trying to, I was trying to not, I was going to try to not react unless, like, I was confident that strike mm -hmm. was going to land, you know? Reactions are good, but overreactions aren't, right? So yeah. you did a good job of not overreacting to my, to my fakes and things. But that also opened the body up a little bit, right? Yeah, then I'm just standing there, too, just to get, and then I'm just getting, and then, I, yeah. Then you get eight up too. I was kind of trying to keep you at like a range with, with touching, but I need to. I need to like. So I'm good at that, those long touches as well, yeah. and then kind of intercepting the shots and landing combinations. You would have taken me down on all of those clench uh, positions. There's another knee. So by the time you threw your knee, it landed on my elbow. Just the angle of it. When you start pumping that jab, it, it keeps me, you know, makes me respect it a little more. I have to keep my hands up. I need to bend my knees a little bit, dude. I'm like standing straight up in the fucking air. Were you, uh, would you like to put people on their back? Towards the end of my career? Yeah. Um, towards the end, I felt like my uh, grappling, or MMA grappling at least, was just as good as my striking. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to taking somebody down, it's a lot less stressful when you're on top controlling position and being, you know, three to seven feet across from somebody yeah. and having to fight the face. Yeah, yeah. You could just think a little clearer, I feel like, in grappling situations. Yeah, you get an opportunity to... to, to, to. And everybody's just expecting you to strike, so it's like... I mean, yeah, when you can mix up your grappling with your striking, that's when you, you know, that's the next, next level shit. You did a good job of disengaging the clinch against the cage or wall and... Get, getting back to the center, which I like. I wish I could have landed something on when I was, I was disengaging, but I wasn't really in a position to land anything. I tried to wrap your, your oh. arms up and place myself in a good spot. Okay, it was. It was nice. <clears throat> Quick little parry. Move back here. Now I'm just thinking like cowboy, right? Marching knees oh, in. Yeah. Cowboys around <laughs> and picking them up and just letting them flow at that point. I was taken back by how quick you were. So speed for heavyweight. So speed yeah. for heavyweight, but what you have to do is sacrifice power for speed or sacrifice speed for power, or you find somewhere in the middle, a nice happy medium, right? Mm -hmm. So a little side note, is this the next round? Yes. So a little side note, in between rounds, I was giving you a tip on, you know, having somebody guard, you're, you're landing that, um, that rear kick against the southpaw is a good weapon, right? Right hand or right kick against the southpaw. You're landing it really well. I was able to block all of them, but I mean, you can see my forearms got a little, little swell on it and stuff. So they were landing flush. Um, and my reaction is pretty much the same every time to block it, to block it. So I'm taking both of my hands and kind of curling to the side, eating on the palm of the right hand and catching it on the forearm of the left hand. 
So that opens that center down the middle. So I call it a kick punch or a punch kick or kick, but kind of like a Superman type thing. So I was telling you with your length, if you can get someone to guard that hard on your, on your power kick, and when you throw it hard, I have to block it or back off or parry it, right? So I was like, hey, you know, throw that kick out there and then kind of follow with like a Superman type thing. You're not leaving the ground, you're not flying through the air, but you're kind of flicking that kick up and throwing that cross. And then you implement it in, the, in this next round. I think you landed it two to three times, which was, which was good. So. And then now, uh, after you mentioned it, now when I watched you in Junior's first round, you were that, landed that, that, it on Junior. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like three or four times. They're not the Ooh. hardest shots, but if you're worried about the kick and I land the punch, and now you're worried about the punch after the kick, and then every time I twitch my left, my left side, <laughs> it's just, what are you going to do? You block down the middle, you're going to block around the side. Yeah. And then I start throwing it to the liver, throwing it to the head, and I'm kicking your leg cross down the middle and then it's just cycling through in different orders to keep the person guessing with just a basic cross and a kick really and then he'll machine gun through it and throw like four in a row kick punch punch kick kick punch punch kick you're just like oh shit just... i don't know it's just a, like a little flow that i like to do it's just no, yeah. it's kind of like, tricky I like, like a wonder boy thompson type thing you know no, yeah, I'm, gonna play, I'm gonna play with it more we'll, uh go ahead and tom uh, uh, go ahead and run it for us yeah because yeah, even here. if you block them you're still constantly on defense so now I feel like you got warmed up, right? You're using your jab and your reach better. Getting a little more fluid. Your reactions are less tense. And you're uh, finding the whole target, not just one, right? You're throwing my body, you're throwing my head, you're throwing my legs. You're throwing knees, punches, kicks, inside, outside, all that stuff. There's a good variety of strikes, which when you mix it up like that, it's harder to deal with. I feel like this round, I feel like I kind of went on the offensive to kind of get in your face. Because mm -hmm. that first round, um, you were in my face. And to be honest, like, I, I was kind of like, fuck, what do I do? See right there, kick punch. Think, think, and you do it right back. And look at me smile. Like, nice, good job. Good job. Once again, short little hooks to a left knee there. So I was hunting the liver pretty much all day. Yeah, I feel that. still feel that. So now on top of that, I made some adjustments with your right hand and this, or with your right kick. You'll notice me catching that kick and parrying it outside and kicking you when you're in the opposite stance in that little transition. You know, as I was trying to get more jab on you, you started kind of messing with my base, uh, mm -hmm. just messing with that front leg, that, you know, my, my heavy post, and it was kind of took like me out right of my there. rhythm. Yeah. See, I mean, every time I try to get heavy on my leg, put some jab on, boom. I switched stances for a little bit there to try and play with things. So, boom, kind of parry that out the way, kick that in, another shot. So watch this again. You did it well every time. Nice little movement out. Good reversal of position. So I'm striking on the break. Yeah, I should have landed some shit right there. Or thrown something, or at least attempted. Well, I couldn't get to your head there, so that's okay. So I was doing good checking the inside kicks. The outside, you were, you were able to get a lot more than that. So right there, if you notice, we're kind of bear hugging throw that knee a lot. I stole that from Alistair Over. Yeah. Um, if you, you look at his old K1 days, he would throw like left hooks to left knees, left hook, right hook to left knees. He would get double underhooks to left knees. Really, any type of strike Ooh. clinch situation would go to those knees. So I was trying to ink right in there. Yeah, I clinched. Here I'm trying to pull your elbow towards me so I can land it, and I think that yeah, started catching on that a little bit. You could tell my body was hurt that, and that uh, it was one big knee that you landed. I think you could tell that my body was... Uh, I just heard your air coming out more than yeah. anything. Nice. Kick punch again. Did it again. Yeah. 
I wanted one too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I want one too, dude. You feel me? Like, dude, I want one. Got good control with your head here. Nice lower lower base than mine, even though you're taller. You're able to still keep that hip and shoulder pressure in and drop your head below mine. Hell yeah. Dope. That was good. Hey, that was good sick, round. So they look more technical than they felt. I felt like we were kind of not hard, but we weren't we weren't, we weren't touching each other. But then watching it, it was like, oh, it looked a little more technical. Than well, that's because it sounds off. You let you hear those punches yeah. land. <laughs> yeah. When you hear them, hear them. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah, you'll be able to hear them when. Because there's a couple with me and you. I'm like, it felt a lot harder than that yeah. it looks. <laughs> like. So obviously the coach and me in between rounds, I'm like, hey, do this, do that, do this. Mm. And I like that you were able to take those things and. and instantly make adjustments so what you were saying before the podcast started or junior was saying oh, yeah game plans for fights and he just went out there and went crazy you know and it's like oh, i'm just starting to be able to get to the point where i can you know do what we practice mm -hmm. so right there is a good example of hey you know this is what you're doing good this is what you're doing bad make these adjustments add these little tools in and then you turn around and implement them right away so that's a good as a coach that's be something i look for like ah, you did it and you don't know me that well right and it's like, ah, fuck that guy. What does he know? You know, a lot of people are like that. Um, and you were like, ah, that, that worked. And then when you saw that it actually worked, you know, ah, I could add that to my toolbox. Oh no, right? hell yeah! I really appreciate you, dude, so much, man, coming out, uh, giving me those little tidbits. Oh yeah. That uh, and that honestly, dude, martial arts. You know, originally, like I think that's kind of what it was supposed to be: is helping the community against. Uh, the enemy, yeah. you know, like we're not the enemy, like we're, we're brothers. And, uh, and eventually, you know, even in the enemy though, in this, in, in this setting that we're in, he's not the bad guy. He's a father, you know, he's another martial artist, right. you know, yeah. like so, he's another martial artist. So when it comes to sparring and fighting, right? So sparring is always hard because I'm not gonna let you just kick my ass, mm. but I don't want to hurt you either. Mm. I got to put just enough on you to where you can't mess me up. Right. Yeah. So you walk this fine line. It's like, I don't want to hurt my friends. And then the more you get to spar and train and get to know each other, it's like, you know, you become family, right? And then when you fight, it's like, oh, that dude's trying to kick my ass in front of my dad and my wife and everybody that I know and care fight about. Night. And yeah, all my different. students who think I'm the best in the world and all this stuff. And it's like, so then you add this pressure to it. But really, at the end of the day, it's like, that, you know, beforehand, I'm able to, like, keep that you know, still turn that switch on. But when it's over, it's like, other than the initial screaming and roars and walking around talking shit, beating your chest, right? Mm. Which is uncontrollable. Yeah, you yeah. know, after you win a fight, I don't know. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You just yeah, kind of yeah. grunt stuff and scream. Yeah. And then you go over and it's like, man, that dude's hurt. He'll put your arm around him and see his wife out there crying and his kids are fighting, his mom's there. And it's like, we're all just, we're all doing the same thing, you know? I used to think that when we'd go to your fights, but then I always thought, well, I don't want to be that family. Yeah. I'm glad I'm this family. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, I can, you know, dude, the one time you lost, though, I got to experience. So when I lost, everybody's coming to the back, and they're like, when I lost to George Powell, mm -hmm. my pro debut, um, everybody's coming to me, oh, no, don't, no, it's okay. So don't worry about me. Yeah. You know how many times I've sent people home crying and hurt to the hospital, and their family's crying, and kids looking at me like one day I'm gonna get that dude you yeah, know? yeah yeah <laughs> um, my daddy. yeah yeah and it's like I deserve to feel that once my dad I didn't you know it sucks to say, it's weird to say it but you can't just be me yeah people sometimes you gotta get hurt if, if that's the life that you choose right and to me like I always told him one of these days I'm gonna lose mm -hmm. but don't 
like feel bad for me or sorry for me or I don't want that. Like that's weird. To me, that's weird. I don't want like all this this um, this pity. You know. What yeah. I mean? Well, by that time, we had seen enough that I, I had got the idea that everybody doesn't win all the time. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, you can win for a long time. You could be off that day, not feeling well just before, or you know, all kinds of variables. Plenty of factors that yeah. could change the outcome. You're at a weight that you're not comfortable with, that you, you know, it's not ideal for you. You think it is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So, I mean, there's lots of things. That, yeah. How was it today watching us do those couple rounds? It was great. It was yeah. great. Yeah. So no, I've never seen Sparring. get nervous or nothing. He's like never that. No. he's never watched Sparring other than no. when we beat the crap out of each other on his lawn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, one I time we were yeah. talking about earlier. That's the first time I got to yeah. see Sparring. Yeah. And okay. especially with you know guys who know what they're doing. And now I want to when I'm uh, in a little better shape. Yeah. <laughs> to get in there spar a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. Put some headgear. I'm yeah. put elbow pads, knee pads. He's taught me some combinations <laughs> that I practice, and I hit this speed bag. They're just minor stuff, but uh, it would be fun to. Spar a little bit. You know, Zach, Zach, Zach has his dad in there, fucking old pad. I know, I see that. Yeah, posting it. Yeah. My dad's got bad elbows and wrists and shoulders and stuff, so I'm not, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to ask him to hold no pads for me. Yeah, you're a little bigger, you're a little bigger than Zach, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that dude hits like a truck. Zach does hit pretty fucking hard, though. Hey, uh, earlier, earlier today, he had my big ass moving back like a foot with his switch kicks. Yeah. <laughs> I was holding pads, just catching them, like moving me. So. Oh, I'm sure, dude. No, yeah. Hitting pads is just, once you understand how to generate that power. So one of the mind games I play with people in the dressing room is start cracking pads. And you see people peeking through. Them. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And I open that thing up. Go ahead and watch. Come on. And yeah. Man, people be like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then dudes who were like lined up, oh, I'm not fighting that dude. Yeah, fuck this. And to me, it's, it's just a pat. Yeah. Like you hold something in place and hit it. Like anybody can look badass on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I can apply it to a degree, right? But... I would smash pads and fighting at Thunder Valley or in that back dressing room and it's uh, concrete walls, concrete floor, roll up like metal garage doors. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it just echoes in there and there's only a little, like like that little thing over, like this, it's just this separating. Yeah, yeah. And I just slide that thing right open and just start blasting pads and be like, I'm gonna hit you in the liver with that too. <laughs> <laughs> that left kick's coming right at your liver. And wow, I tell them too, they still hit them, you know. And then I would stop, you know, as I got started fighting more, I would talk less shit and just crack the pad, crack the pad, crack the pad. And uh, that scares the shit out of people. So, yeah. You know, huh. And then, scre- I mean, how much does Scream a little more, too. Yeah. <laughs> how much of a factor does that make, you know, being able to get in your opponent's head? Uh, does it take them out, you know, does it take them out of their game plan? Have you noticed? Um, sure. The other thing is, you know, you can watch all my footage and know what I'm good at. It doesn't mean you can stop it. Yeah, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and that just goes again, right. again to being confident in what you do. Like if I'm a good liver liver kicker, I'm not going to stop throwing my liver kick just because people know I throw a liver kick. Yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. Throw it more. Keep throwing that fucking clay. Yeah, like, yeah. like my- <laughs> and then I'm just going to twitch it at you, like mm, mm, <laughs> make you mm, think, it's and then, good. you know, do something else. Um, I like to post pad work. I like to post training videos. I like to post conditioning. When, when, and it's not just for promoting the fight. It's like if you're spying on my page, like I want you to see me working hard. Yeah. Because I want you to work hard. Like, um, and once you've had, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve fights, there's plenty of footage out there on you. Yeah. You know, it's like people can figure you out. Well, that's like that 
was it Bisbee Henderson? All he's got is a right hand, but, <laughs> <laughs> but can you Couldn't stop, stop it? it right? yeah. 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 Even in the second fight, he still got dropped two or three times. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Trust, trust your weapons, trust your skills, and keep them sharp. Uh, obviously, make your game better, but don't get away from what you're good at. Like, and then, obviously, injuries can change that. I remember one, when I was training for my first amateur title fight, um, first day of like, sparring, I kicked uh, somebody's elbow and broke my foot. What am I going to do without my liver kick? Well, I started boxing. I couldn't really move around either, so I'm like sitting there practicing pads and hitting boxing combinations. And I lit that dude up with my hands in that fight. Broke his nose, landed like I picked his jab, threw a one, two, three, switched to orthodox as he turned around and bang, broke his nose. I'm just like, oh, good thing I broke my foot, right? Yeah. Because I would have never, <laughs> I would have never yeah. developed that extra bit of boxing. Yeah. Or you know, you get a shoulder surgery like I've had. And you got to work on other things your hand you got to work on your elbows so injuries can be blessings in disguise if you let them be you know and they could help you develop other parts of your game that maybe you wouldn't have if if you never got hurt you know? yeah yeah for some closing statements man what um thomas what do you tell you know a young kid that's that's getting in fights at school he's he's having trouble you know making his dad proud in his eyes or maybe in his father's eyes at the time but you know you see hope in that kid what do you tell someone man um when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think the, the world's a lot different now in the sense that fighting is so mainstream and I can't count. Like I, I worked at the UFC gym in Rockland for years and, and lots of other local schools and stuff. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many kid, parents want their kids to be able to protect themselves. Some of them want their kids to be badasses. Some of them don't want to get picked on anymore. Some of them just generally want to know that their kid is, is semi-safe out there, you know. And, and to a degree now, that fake martial arts stuff has been, been exposed, right? Yeah. Um, we know what works in fights. Wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and striking. And a lot of that other f stuff is, has been proven over the years. Like, I still think karate can be a good base for dexterity of your kicks and learning distance. And I think taekwondo can be good for you to learn when you're young you know, for kicks and dexterity, but it gets to a point where you gotta start learning how to box, you gotta learn how to protect your head, you gotta learn how to stuff a takedown, take somebody down, defend a choke, choke somebody, and so on and so forth. So when it comes to that, I think kids have more outlets for martial arts than when I was a kid. Mm, for sure. And the other thing is, um, and I've talked with my dad about this, um, not everybody's meant for school. So if you would have found me when I was 15 or 16 and said, hey, you're failing all your classes, you're doing terrible. We're going to take you and we're going to put you in this apprenticeship program as a carpenter, as a concrete guy, or as an electrician. And I like to work. I like to work. I like to do things. And I feel a sense of, of accomplishment with that. You have to have other options other than show up, do your schoolwork, do your homework, take pass your standardized test, and, and, and see where you end up in this world. Maybe you're going to go to college and leave with $500,000 in debt and never be able to pay off your student debts. Like The whole system to me is screwed for people like me. People like me, take me, put me in some trade. I gotta work for free anyways when you become an apprentice, damn near, right? Or if you're yeah. a nurse, you gotta put in six months of nursing for free to learn what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So take those kids that are troubled, teach them a trade, teach them a skill. And being in the trades in now, there's no young men in these trades. And the, and the young men and women that are coming into these trades are soft. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cold. Oh, it's hot. Huh. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> it's not it's hard, hard yeah. bro. You know, we got machines that do everything for us now. So in that sense, take a kid like me and put me out there in the workforce. You don't have to necessarily pay me. 
just let me give me a high school diploma if I or or certification as a carpenter. And when I turn 18, place me with some company that's going to pay me a decent living wage to where I don't have to be on the streets or I'm not thinking of other options, you know, and 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 give me a chance of something that I got into construction, real construction. I was 34 years old, yeah. 33 years old, and I love it. I love it. Yeah, I make good money. I could I could you know put a little away, live comfortably. Yeah. To clarify my thoughts on him getting through school, I, I didn't necessarily mean do the minimum. What I meant was you just have to get through high school. Oh, I know. Get this shit out of the way. And then we'll figure out what you're going to do. You know, yeah. Just get past it. it you know, not that it's not important, but no, for yeah. some of us, it's something we just have to get past that yeah. so we can start doing whatever it is. Like a step, yeah, a step. So for, instance, for some people, that's their thing. Man, I can't wait to be done with this because then I'm going to go to school again and, and do this. And you know, yeah. but yeah. you're an electrician, right? Yeah. A foreman electrician. Yeah. People have to go to school to yeah. be an electrician, right? But if you take that kid when he's 15 or 16 and you teach him everything that he needs to know and you give him these certifications and you're teaching them on in real life situations versus, you know, I don't read very good, I don't write very good, I don't spell very good, I don't do math very good. I didn't learn any. I didn't. I wasn't good at that stuff. But I, what I can do, I do have good common sense and I got work ethic. And a lot of humans have that. We may not have those the book smart. Some of us do, some of us don't. I didn't, you know. But I'm smart. I believe I'm smart, just not in that way. Mm. So if you put me in, a, in, in an environment where I can excel with hard work, with common sense, and, and just the, the, the mindset of I want to. I wanna. So once I got out of fighting and started doing construction, I want to be the best at what I'm doing every day. You yeah. Know? So. And you'll notice too that you bring in that mindset to the work. Uh, you you exactly. told me before, Junior, that like people are fucking mad when you're on the job site with them because you make yeah. them look like you make them look like shit, you know. But then you're gonna get the opportunities when you're a hard worker. You're gonna get the opportunities right. to advance. It's like that's when I was right. an apprentice. So that's what it's done for him. It's his ethic and how much he puts into fighting, and he does the same thing in everything else. He excels at work. It's the same for him. The guys at work don't. Oh shit. He's going to work our asses in the ground today. We're going to look bad. Yeah, I remember being an apprentice, and they had me digging, and I'd just dig like I was working out. <laughs> like, everybody else is kind of half-assed, and I'm fucking busting a sweat. I'm like, shit, you're going to pay me so to work was, out? Yeah. Getting ready for a fight anyways. Uh, <laughs> when I was an amateur, I worked at FedEx unloading trucks, and I broke records unloading trucks because I'm yeah. getting ready for a fight. Yeah. Uh, and I got this, you know, I think I was getting ready for Terrell Bozen from up north in Reading. He was like seven and three purple belt in jiu-jitsu, four first round knockouts, three first round submissions. I'm three and zero oh, fighting like, you know, cans to a degree. Yeah. Man, this dude's scary, and I'm just unloading boxes, <laughs> breaking fugitives, going through three shirts a night, and we're only working four hours. I, w I broke records unloading trucks. There. Yeah. You know, I was the best unloader, and then I blew my back out. I'm like, fuck this job. You know what I mean? But to a degree, at that time, that job was perfect. I could work at night, work my ass off, get my conditioning in, work hard, take a nap, go train teach kids classes, all that stuff, it, it, you know, served its place. Hey, so Thomas, so for the people that want to train with you, because people are, that are listening to this podcast, they're going to want to train with you, man. So how do they do that? Do they reach out you know, on Instagram? or You know, what? to a degree, I, I don't really have the time for anyone, to be honest, other than my core group of guys. Um, and I really don't charge a lot for lessons either. So it's mm -hmm. like, uh, I'm at the point in life where I just train who I want to train. I'm not against taking on new people. I just don't have the room or or the time. You yeah. Know? I got three hours after work to put in work in the garage. 
and when Junior needs pads, and this guy's got a kickboxing match coming up, and this other dude that just loves to train. It's like they, I've been training them for years. I'm I'm not looking for for you know necessarily new people. Maybe down the line, you know, I have people asking me to you know work at local gyms and stuff here and there. It's just just right now, it's not. Yeah, it's you guys have something good going on right now. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, if you're interested and you're in the Sacramento area and you need some help and, you know, you're willing to be a good teammate, because a lot of times at my, my place, you know, you got to hold for each other. You're only as good as your mitman to a degree when it comes to your striking. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that he knows how to hold pads. He already did, but, you know, fix the little things. And, you know, you got to hold pads for your partner and then the partner will hold pads for you. Like today we did about 45 minutes each. So I held pads for him and one other guy because we had odd numbers. Mm -hmm. And then he held pads for me and the other guy. And the guy was a 145-pounder, so he could do more work than us. We did about a half hour, <laughs> 45 minutes. Yeah. And then two other guys, they held for each other. And we, okay, this is the combo. Do it. Okay, a little tip. Fix this, fix that, whatever. Switch this or implement it this way. And then, you know, after about a half hour, 45 minutes, switch. And then let's go through the same process. Instead of switching every five minutes and yeah. building a rhythm. I'd rather build a rhythm with your pad guy for 45 minutes and then switch. And, Something like that. You'd have to really want your stuff scrutinized and analyzed and be able to take that. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> no, I, mean, no. I don't know hardly anything. And when I train with him once in a while, yeah. it's like, okay, you're not doing that. You have, your toe should be pointing this way, and you have to angle it this way. And then, and so there's a lot of thinking involved. It's not just standing there hitting the pail. Oh, this is great. And that's my time to tell him what to do. <laughs> you know, right? it's like, <laughs> you, better, so, you better turn the knuckles over. Quite technical. Quite wow. technical. Like, Dad, where was your head right there? Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Why'd you fall over? I don't know. Why'd so you, you fall over? you got to be able to, to uh, <laughs> be open to That's, seeing that maybe yeah. you're doing some things wrong. No, no, no. You, know, nah, you can though. improve and that kind of, yeah. There's times where I'm like, shit, do I really know how to do this? Like, <laughs> I've been at this for years and I'm fucking up all day long. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I but that's the beauty, okay. right? That's yeah. the beauty. How long have you been training? Yeah. Nah, fuck it, on and off for like, forever. Yeah. And I taught you a little trick today, right? Oh, yeah. And then I learned things from you, you know, and, and things from him. And it's, that's the beauty of this sport is there's so much to learn and it never stops and it keeps growing and keeps, you know, branching off in different directions. I'm like, look at jujitsu now. Yeah, you know, like, what mountain. are they even doing? Yeah, I'd have to do six months of jujitsu every day just to catch up on what I've stopped learning Especially in the last that, two years. That gi, jeez, dude, the gi. I mean, no gi is one, but the gi. They just keep making new moves. Yeah. They just keep making new moves, new positions, new moves. Like, it's endless the variety. Then you start mixing in the wrestling, and the jujitsu, and the takedowns, and the clinch, and then it's just you know, it's never ending. But then again, every day you got to work on your jab. Mm hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and your cross and your basic stuff too. You got any closing statements, Junior? What you got? You got any closers? I was just getting ready to get excited for the triumphant card. Go down to Mexico with you. Oh yeah, okay. coming, I didn't get no life. invite to that. Oh, bro. Like Damn, I did just get back. From, <laughs> me and my wife just did our honeymoon in Mexico though, so I can't complain. So that'll be March 13th, correct? Correct. The triumphant fights. Uh, uh, hell yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I dude. just saw that hype up video like yesterday on Instagram. Yeah. I was like, ah. Oh, that looks sick, huh? They did a good job on that Eddie's video. Eddie's on there. Zach. Eddie, Zach. Hey, it's going to be, that's going to be lit, dude. And then you're trying to fight on, uh, you're trying to get on the next one, huh? The next triumphant show. Yeah, we're trying to get something going on. Like I said, I'm 40. I got a couple more left in me. I, <laughs> I can't be on the shelf for too long. Ugh. No, fuck yeah, dude. Try to get on your show. Yeah, well, dude, once, dude, you're on our show. You're on our show. Are you dude. doing a, a mixed show? Yeah, it's going to be a hybrid. So it's going to be half MMA, like seven MMA, seven Muay Thai kickboxing. Are you all matched up already and stuff? Or? Not, not, not really. Just because 
I mean, I don't know. I'm sure right now. I we mean, don't even know when we're going to run it. Yeah. And yeah. then right now, everybody who wants to fight, everybody's going to have a hand up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Everybody's itching. Yeah. But let's see who actually decides to come and fucking fight. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Any uh, any closing statements out of you, Thomas? Closing statements? Uh, good to make a new friend, brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, Junior always told me about you, and, and it's good to finally meet you. Uh, good to, to have my dad here and share something like this with him, because I've been doing interviews and shows and stuff with, for you know about 10 years now. And, and uh, it's good to have him here and experience that with me. Hey, dude, it was super sick to have him here, man. Uh, nice to meet you, yeah, too. Nice to meet you. I only so cried a couple of times, fun. right? Yeah, oh, dude, <laughs> if, my dad, if my dad was here, I would be fucking crying. Me and my dad, we don't really even get along anymore just because uh, he wanted me to uh, stop fighting at some point. You know, it was, it was me and him, and uh, we were, like, taking on the world, you know? But, uh, but I, wasn't, I wasn't working very much in my field. I was doing like security and uh, I, I, had, I got a degree, but I wasn't like, I wasn't working in my field at all. Yes. And my dad, like had a, I just turned 30 and he was like, hey, uh, it's, time to grow the, it's time to grow the fuck up. Yeah. And uh, some tough love, you know, but, <laughs> but fuck, dude, I, um, I wanted to keep fighting. It was right before my first state title opportunity, you know, and so, um, and so I kept fighting, dude. So we had to go like our separate ways. You know, and uh, it's rough because obviously, you know, you you do all this shit for, you know, for your dad. And then um, and then at times, you know, it gets it gets it gets challenging, you know, but I was I was super stoked that you brought your dad. And it was uh, it was so a very unique opportunity. Dude. Even without me fighting, I feel like he still gets to gets to be proud of me in different ways, like coaching. I remember once I had three guys up in Reno fighting for King of the Cage, all amateurs. And then we shared the pictures. I think all, all of my guys won, all three of my guys won like quick, too good teams and then he sends me a text message and he's like hey i saw all the pictures from from this weekend he's like these these kids that you're helping will remember that night for the rest of their lives and what you did for them you know is you know priceless and i cried and i posted on instagram like what my dad said to me and oh, yeah. 500 <laughs> comments everybody like oh man that's amazing so there's, you know, everybody gets some help somewhere along the line. And now I send him pictures of my construction site. Like, look at this, Dan. He's like, that's badass. <laughs> He's proud of that too, you know? yeah. yeah, dude. And you would be. You well, know? that's like, life. You know, yeah. what, what's the, the biggest things in life are your family and the stuff they accomplish, you know? Yeah. And he would always, even while I'm doing good in fights, oh, so when are you going to get a real job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the dad part of me. Yeah, they're proud of you regardless. This is great, yeah. but you need some money. Yeah. yeah. I was always realistic, though, as well, especially as, as my body started falling apart, you know. Um, I can't wrestle no more. I can't do jiu-jitsu. My back and my neck is shot. Yeah. I've been thinking about doing some kickboxing. It's like, eh, and I got to train all the time. This is rough, too. Yeah, lose weight. Oh, yeah. Brain damage. I don't know, man. Maybe I'll just spar on podcasts for now. We appreciate having you. We really Good day, do, brother. Thank you guys so much. Hey, uh, uh, Deborah Farolito, owner, uh, Bay Area Combat, Suncoast Awning, Tom Bass Davis on the ones and twos. Uh, Daniel Compton, uh, fight director, Bay Area Combat. Thomas Fallon, Mike Fallon. Junior, say your last name for me. Hanera. Hanera. I said Jan Janera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, it's an H. It's an H, Tom. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's an H. It's a G, but it's an H, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Hell yeah, dude. Hey, from everyone here at the Suncoast Awning Studio, the Bay Area Combat Podcast. Thank you guys so much. We're over and out. Tune in, and then we can see the podcast on all formats. Tom, give me formats. Spotify, uh, Google Play, uh, Apple Music, uh, Podbean, and uh, YouTube.
Sweet. All nice. those. And if you guys are interested in renting the studio, it comes with Tom Bass Davis. The studio comes with the sound guy. You guys can rent this, okay? So uh, a direct message, reach out. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next uh, two weeks. See you in two weeks, baby. Thank you guys. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you guys so much. All right, brother. Uh